You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. We're going to just transition and make our way into today's message. And again, I just want to say thank you, friends, family, co-workers, uh, you know, and, uh, family, just for joining us this morning. It makes a difference. Make sure that you're liking, that you're commenting, and uh, we will uh, make our, uh, uh, our, our post here uh, the, the best it absolutely can be. And we know that you're going to help us to do that. Well, we are th- the, in our third week of a little mini-series that we've called The Moral of the Story. And if you've been tracking with us over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking in Mark chapter 4, there are four stories, there are four parables where the stories are giving us some meat to chew on as believers and even those that are just getting to know Jesus in their lives. Now we've said that a parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or a spiritual truth. And if that's true, we as, as readers of God's Word, we need to be understanding that there's a point, there's a story, there's a, there's a moral to these stories, and we best pay attention. We need to understand that there are layers of understanding, and we don't want to miss the point. And so let's just dive in to God's Word today. If you've got your copy of God's Word, uh, join me. In Mark chapter 4, we're going to look at the parable of the seed growing. It's the parable of the seed growing, and this is what it says in Mark chapter 4, verse 26. And he said, that's Jesus, and Jesus said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter, uh, scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Jesus, I pray that over these next few moments, Lord, that these words would be enlightened. And Lord, that they would make a difference in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May God add his blessing to his word today. At first look, this little parable is easy to understand. It's straightforward, isn't it? The farming community that Jesus would have been talking to, his original audience, they would have been like, okay, we understand. We throw some seed down. We don't know how it grows, but it does. It's kind of a mystery. But there was always a sense when Jesus was talking that he was talking on two different levels, on the natural level, but then also on the spiritual level. Now, it's important to note that Jesus was not deliberately being difficult in his speech. His message was so explosive that this was the only way to say what he needed to say. And so he spoke in these parables. And the question we should ask as good students of God's Word is, what was Jesus saying without saying it? In other words, what is the moral of the story? 
If you go a little later in Mark chapter 4, verse 33 through 34, it says this, With many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately, look at this, he would speak to his own disciples and explain to them everything. In other words, behind the scenes, he would say, look, this is what I really meant. This is the point. This is the moral of the story. And I believe, as I've studied in the last few weeks, this parable, I believe that the moral of the story for today is simple, that God keeps his promises. Let me just let that sink in over the airways. God keeps his promises. This parable is to teach us that the harvest, the fulfillment of what God has promised to us, will come to pass. And this is a message of hope if we've ever had one. And I believe that as we look at this, that God keeps his promises, that there are three examples that we can find in the scripture here. And the first one is in Jesus. The first example is Jesus himself. It's the first look, the first idea that we see here. And Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise. And let me try to explain. In these four parables in Mark chapter 4, we see Jesus as the main point every single time. Next week, the fourth one, spoiler alert, it's going to be Jesus again. And here in these four uh, parables, we see Jesus as the seed. We see him as the word. We see him as the light, the lamp. And again, here, the seed, Jesus, is being scattered. In Israel, there was a promise of the Messiah. This is kind of the backstory. There was a promise of a Savior that was going to be coming, the redemption of God's people. And in this parable, the idea here is that God has arrived. Jesus has arrived. Old Testament prophecy is being fulfilled. Right before their eyes, the kingdom of God is at hand. If we go back to the very beginning of Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 15, it says that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. When Jesus first started speaking, that's what he said. Look, the time is now. But when you think about the kingdom of God, it's a mystery. It's like a seed. Jesus is the seed. He's the word, right? And the kingdom is like a seed. And we understand that the timing of a seed is hard to predict. And you think about Jesus and his story. When he first came to earth, he came as a baby. People are saying, what? Double take. What's going on here? That's not how I would have scripted it. Then he started to preach after 30 years of obscurity. And as he preached, he gathered 12 people. And again, it's like Big Whip, right? He, he gets these 12 disciples. They were quite the motley crew. In Acts chapter 1, we see that the, the, the crew grew to about 120. In Acts chapter 2, we see it grew to about 3,000. Then in Acts chapter 4, to 4,000. You say, how does the kingdom of God grow? Well, it's a mystery. And the point here is that God had promised a Savior. And it was now being revealed in God's perfect timing. God keeps his promises. Today, on May 3rd, there may be some questions in our mind in regards to God's timing. And I was thinking, you know, have you ever questioned God's timing in your life? And I know that there are a few of us, at least, that are questioning God's timing in Pastor Bruce's life. 
And I talked with him before the service today saying, man, you know, we, I know that, that this is not ideal uh, to be, you know, uh, exiting in, in such a strange time uh, with online services and, and the COVID-19 still a real reality in West Michigan. But God's timing is not always our timing. And I understand that Pastor Bruce, he's putting his faith in Jesus, and that's what we should do as well. But the question I have for you and for me to answer, and I want us to take just a moment to ask, is how has God's timing been a mystery in your life? Think about that. In Pastor Bruce's life right now, it may seem like a mystery, like, okay, God, I don't understand. But how has God's timing been a mystery in your life? Let's take a minute or so to talk about that right where you are with the people you're with. If you're by yourself, think about this question. One and a half minutes. Let's go. Listen, God's timing in all of our lives at times is a mystery. But what the key point of today, the moral behind the story, is that God keeps his promises, and his timing is always, always good. I said there were three different angles, three different lenses we can look at this story. The first was through the lens of Jesus, and certainly Jesus was talking about himself. But it was interesting, with this particular parable, there's another angle that we can consider this. It's interesting that in all the four Gospels, Mark is the only one that includes this parable. And some of you might be asking, well, why is Mark the only one that added this parable? And some commentators, and I would tend to agree with them, suggest that Mark found this parable as a biographical statement of his own life. In other words, he included this in the story, in the gospel, because it reflected some things in his own life. Mark knew from personal experience that between receiving the promise of God and receiving the fulfillment of that promise, there was time in the making. There was a season in between, a time where patience had to be exercised. And as I was thinking about time and patience and even in the story, it talked about seeds being planted and then sprouting and then growing, I couldn't help but think of my two nieces, Hannah and Josie, and their quarantine garden. Uh, what do you do during quarantine in Florida, South Florida? My, well, my sister and my brother-in-law, they allowed their girls to create a little sandbox, or a little, uh, not sandbox, but a little uh, raised garden in their backyard. And this is Hannah and Josie, and they put this to work and check out the progress already. The, the seeds are sprouting, and it's gr- a great lesson of patience. Once those seeds were planted, it took time for those to come up, and we'll maybe track over the next few weeks and see how those continue to grow. The reason I mention that is because, again, Mark in this story understood that he had received the promise of God, but there was a difference in the timing of the fulfillment of the promise. In fact, some commentators believe that Mark certainly was considered the least likely to write the gospel out of the four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Mark was the least likely to have written. You say, well, why was that? Well, it's interesting, and I did not know this until I really started studying, is that Mark 
in his lifetime, after Jesus uh, was around, uh, he had a lapse of faith and of judgment. Let's look at a couple stories. In Mark chapter 14, this is a crazy story, but Mark had tried to follow Jesus to the cross, but he was totally unprepared to do so. So Jesus was being taken to the cross, is Mark chapter 14, and Mark is following from a distance. Look what it says in Mark 14, 51 and 52. It says this, And a young man followed him with nothing but linen cloth around his body, and they seized that young man, but he left the linen cloth, and he ran away naked. You can't make this stuff up. And commentators believe that Mark is talking about himself. He was exposed, totally vulnerable, totally embarrassed. He lacked judgment in that moment, certainly. There's another time a little later in Acts chapter 15, verse 38, where Mark tried to go with Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey, but he could not handle the trip. Mark 15, 38 says, but Paul thought it was best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to do the work. Who is Paul talking about? He was talking about Mark, the writer of the gospel. I'm thinking, man, I can relate to Mark. Having a lapse of faith, having a lapse of judgment. And I'm curious, have you ever had a lapse of judgment? Have you ever had a lapse of faith? And for me, my mind went to a story a few years ago that I have not shared, uh, but this was a story with our youth group. I was the lead pastor early on in the days of the Gateway Church. We took our, our youth to the sand dunes up in Silver Lake. And you may have never heard this story, but uh, we took them for a, a mystery day. But while we were waiting for some of the other students to arrive, we thought, I thought it was a good idea to take the students out in vehicles out into the dunes. Long story short, we... Uh, ended up having an accident. We ended up totaling one of the cars. There were students in the car when that happened. And I'm telling you, talk about a lapse of judgment. I made a horrible decision taking these students out without their parents' permission. And then there was this accident, and I literally thought, man, it's over. There's, I'm, I'm no longer going to be the pastor at the Gateway Church. And it was a lapse of judgment, no, no doubt about it. And I'm just curious, can you share a time where you felt like God could not use you, kind of like I felt like after that incident, because of your mistake? See, we've all made mistakes, and sometimes our mistakes, we feel like we will eliminate ourselves from being used by God, or the promise God had, now because of our mistake, we can't continue forward. Well, I don't believe that's the truth. Let's take a minute and a half to just share a time when you felt like God could not use you because of your mistakes. Well, I hope that you had an opportunity to share a mistake, something that you've done where you felt like you, that God may not be able to use you beyond that mistake. And uh, hopefully you've been able to be transparent and really search within because Mark was in the same spot that you might have been where he thought certainly at times, this is the end of my ministry. This is the end of the call of God on my life. But that was not the end of Mark's story. 
In fact, there was after a period of waiting, after a period of growing and grooming, a period of more waiting, Mark was again valuable, a tremendous asset to the kingdom of God. Paul has acknowledged uh, that Paul acknowledged that Mark was a faithful worker in the gospel. In 2 Timothy 4.11, he says this, Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is a very useful to me in ministry. Peter, a little later in 1 Peter 5.13, Peter commends Mark as a companion in ministry, and he calls him as if he's his own son. The point is, Mark ends up writing scripture, one of the four Gospels, at the end of his life, the Holy Spirit ordained him to do it. And the point I see here is that you, your mistake is not final. And God absolutely keeps his promises. God will do what he promises to do in our lives. Sometimes patience is required. We need to learn to wait in faith, especially when that promise is from the Lord. And sometimes it's a mystery we don't understand, like a seed, right? But God promises that slowly and silently, it may take weeks or months or even years, but the harvest will come and the fulfillment of the promise will be ours. God keeps his promises. There's two ideas here. First, we see it in Jesus' life, also in Mark's life. But I said there were three different angles we could look at this story. And the third one is with you. And I want to encourage you to see yourself in this story. God's plan, God's calling, God's timing in your life. Think about your life. What is promised to you in Scripture? We know that in the Bible there are hundreds of promises that are for God's people. And the promise is that we will reap a harvest in due season. I love what Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says. It says, do not, let your, uh, or do not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And so don't give up. Here's a prophetic word I really believe is from the Lord for this week for those that are listening right now. To get ready to reap what you have sown. The Lord has put that on my heart, and that's really rooted in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, the Lord is not slow to keep his promises, right? The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And we're going to talk about that in just in a moment. See, there's power in a seed. There's power in the God's call on our lives. There's power in the plan that God has for each and every one of us. And I want you to know, even though there's a mystery in timing sometimes. And there may be some mistakes along the way. It's not all up and to the right. But I want you to know that nothing in God's time is wasted. The harvest is coming. The way God keeps his promise and the timing is always a mystery. But, the, but we also know in this little parable, there's one last nugget of truth. And I want us to just look at it one last time. There's peace that comes. The farmer is able to sleep, to lay his head down day in, day out. Look what it says. It says in verse 27, the farmer sleeps and rises night and day 
and the seed will sprout and grow. He knows not how. There's a peace that comes when we trust in the Lord. And that last encouragement really is this idea. It's a message of hope that no matter where we are on the journey, the Lord is with us and He is faithful. He is faithful. He always keeps His promises. Let's pray. Lord, I'm asking right now in these next few moments that you would just do something really special in our midst, even across the airways. Lord, that you would be saving and Lord, that you would give us peace that we're about to reap what we've sown. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we consider our own lives, that last verse that I read in Galatians, or 2 Peter 3, 9, says this, again, that the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And I want to just share that I believe the Lord is calling you. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, today is the day of salvation for you. The first promise that Jesus makes is that He will save you if we give our hearts and our lives to Him. And if you're ready to make that decision today, I want to lead you in a prayer. It's a sinner's prayer. And it's not the words of this prayer that make a difference. It's really what you believe in your heart. If you're putting your faith and your trust in Jesus and you confess your sin, the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive you. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what kind of mistakes you've made. You can put your hope in Jesus and he will save you. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm sorry for the sin of my life. I'm sorry that I've done all kinds of things wrong. But today, I put my faith in you, Jesus. You died on the cross. You rose from the grave. And today, I put my faith in you. I pray that you would save me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that simple prayer, repeated those words with me today, we would love for you to make yourself known. You can do that in a couple of different ways. You can certainly comment right in the feed on Facebook Live. You can also go to our website, thegateway.church, and, uh, and there's a contact page. Let us know. We've got resources. We have next steps that we want to follow with you, and we want to encourage you to do so. The last thing I would say that this morning as we consider, uh, as we close the service today, is not only is there a promise of salvation, but God keeps His promises even after we're saved. And yes, it's a mystery. We understand that according to the Scripture today. Yes, there are times we make mistakes. There are setbacks, no doubt. Yes, there are times we get discouraged and we get down and we think, man, can we ever recover? Absolutely, just like Mark did. But there is a peace that comes when you know that God ultimately will fulfill His promise. And today, I want to end with a prayer of peace for you. And I want to just swing back to this prophetic word that the Lord gave me for us, that you are about to reap what you have sown. We at the Gateway Church are about to reap what we've sown. And so watch out. The harvest is coming. Glory to God. Lord, I pray that you would go before us, behind us, and all around us. Lord, bless us today. 
And Lord, I pray that even on this special day for Pastor Bruce and Brittany, Lord, that this message would ring true, that your timing is always great. Lord, that you will fulfill your promise in their lives. And Lord, help us to honor them, to make this a special day, and we thank you for that. And for those that are struggling, those that are, have, feel like their mistakes are, have mounted up and they're wondering about the promises of God, Lord, I pray that, we, that they would just put their faith in you, trust you in this season. And Lord, we embrace this word that we are about to reap what we have sown. We declare it in Jesus' name. And all God's people, even online, said amen and amen. God bless you. What's your biggest takeaway? Comment before you, uh, before you get off, and we'll see you this afternoon at 345. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.